Welcome to the Dewhawk Digest, the podcast for all things Loris College. In this episode, we welcome Distinguished Alumni Award winner Faye Finnegan into the studio to talk about her experiences both as a student and as an employee of Loris College. I'm Robert Waterbury, Assistant Director of Campus Communications, and I'm pleased to welcome my co-host Bobby Earls, Executive Director of Alumni Communications. Welcome back. Hello, Robert. This is going to be a fun one. Buckle up your seatbelts, everyone. (laughs) And sitting in with us is our featured guest, Faye Finnegan. Faye, welcome to the Dewhawk Digest. Well, thanks for having me. (laughs) So, Faye, I always like to start with the beginning, and not many people, or maybe more and more people know this, that I knew you as a student. So talk before I knew you as a student how you arrived here at Loris's campus. Okay, I came to Loris um, from rural Iowa, northeast Iowa, grew up on a farm. And the way I got here was had to go to the dreaded CCD on Wednesday nights, which (laughs) translation now is religious ed, Mm -hmm. and a priest who had spent many years in Dubuque, retired out into the rural area. They sent him out there. (laughs) And he really encouraged a couple of us to look at Loris. So that's how I was introduced to mm-hmm. Loris. So. I like the story that you tell, though, about making that journey to Loris, because I do think that this shows a really interesting side, and I think this is exactly what people want to hear about. And I love how wonderfully you tell the story. You have to so share this. So Bobby must be referring <laughs> to we did not want to come and visit Loris because we, meaning four high school girls who were attending the CCD were kept being, I would say, badgered by this particular priest to go visit the campus, and he always wanted to go on a Saturday, and we're like, oh, Father, we have cheerleading, we have basketball, we have music competition, yada, yada, yada. And then one night he said, well, if I call out to the school, will you go on a Wednesday? And we're like, yes, Father. Because you get out of school. Because we get out of school. Mm-hmm. So we're like, well, that's a pretty sweet deal. We'll just get in the car. And we were loaded up into his big black Cadillac <laughs> driven by Mildred, his housekeeper. <laughs> and we thought it was great fun hanging out in the back seat until it was time for us to say the rosary. Which you weren't expecting. <laughs> Which we were not expecting. And we're like, oh, my gosh, I hope we know the answers. <laughs> So we had to sit back there and say the rosary on the way to debut, which by then, Loris College looked darn good when we pulled up in front of it and we got to get out of the car. I think that's a good recruitment tool we might have to consider moving forward. Well, good luck with that nowadays. <laughs> but it had a positive influence on you. And to rewind a little bit, not to reveal any ages, because we don't do that on the podcast at all, but... You came at a time when women were just entering campus. So yes. it mm-hmm. was new for men to see women on campus, and it was groundbreaking for you to kind of join this Loris family. It didn't feel groundbreaking, but in retrospect, I guess it was mm-hmm. um, to be coming to campus. That had been co ed, the decision had been made probably four or five years mm-hmm. earlier. Right. 
Right. So they so. had settled in, but mm-hmm. still, men outnumbered women on campus. Mm-hmm. But you quickly fell into your major, which was social work. Mm-hmm. Yes, social work. And what attracted you to that? What was it? A professor? Was it the classwork? I, to be honest, I can't remember like the point that I pivoted to that particular major. I'm thinking it had something to do with taking general courses such as sociology, um, psychology, finding out that there was such a thing mm-hmm. because I, I don't even know if I knew that when I came here, which is part of going to college and exploring all of these various possibilities that mm-hmm. people can have and today are mountingly different than what was going on then. So, so I think it must have been a class like that. Of course, Mr. Buddy, who taught sociology, was a big fave of many people, mm-hmm. including mine. And you know, professors are very influential in a hook of what kind of interest you may have and pulling that out. And and I would say Mr. Buddy helped do that. That's awesome. So you graduate, and you're now going to take on the world and change the world. So you take a job as a social worker mm-hmm. in Texas. Yes, it was a social work position. It was a volunteer position for two years that in case people ever wonder, do people actually stop at those tables outside of the cafeteria and talk to who's ever hanging there? Yes, that's where I learned of it. Mm-hmm. And it was a program put on by the Texas Catholic Conference for Social Workers and Educators. And you applied and then were assigned a work site. And mm-hmm. I was at a work site in Dallas, Texas for uh, girls between 11 and 17. It was a residential setting. Mm-hmm. So I was there for two years. And then you came back to Dubuque. Dubuque kind of called you back home. I came back to work in admissions because what was happening was it was very intense work. While I liked it, it was incredibly intense. And the spring of the second year, of course, my um, Dewhawk friends, a couple of them came to visit me in Dallas. And at that time I was saying, I want to I need a break, and then I'll go to grad school in social work because mm-hmm. that's really what you have to do mm-hmm. in those kind of professions. And at that time, one of the friends was the hall director of Kane Hall and taught science at a local high school. And he, re- when he got back here, he learned there was an admissions position open. And he called me and said, there's open. I'm like, so you're telling me that why? And he said, because you were the <laughs> one who said you thought you'd be interested in coming back to Iowa. And I said, okay, well, you know, it was an opportunity to update your resume. I had been a volunteer student ambassador um, giving tours. So the director remembered me. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me back to admissions with the intent of just doing it a couple of years. And then I stayed. What's what happens at Loris? You know, you think, oh, I'm going to be here for a couple of years, make a Mm -hmm. difference, and then go and make a difference somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But that... that couple of years turned into 33 plus years at Loris. With over, a break in between. With a break in between. Mm-hmm. So after 10 years, six in admissions and um, a few in career services at the time it was called, then I went to the insurance mm-hmm. for a couple of years because I met an employer through doing the career services work. Did that for a couple of years and then returned to Loris in the alumni advancement area. Mm-hmm. And you had the opportunity to work with some Loris legends at I did. on campus. Talk a little bit about some of the things that you worked with them on, some of your favorite memories of them. 
Well, I was fortunate. I was able to travel across the country with Monsignor Barda, whom everybody loved. He is so awesome. So I was on his um, his little shadow and hoped that they liked me like they liked him. <laughs> um, and that was very interesting in hearing his stories and his work with alumni. Um, we always loved it when the Noonan brothers, Frank and GB, would wander into the alum, excuse me, the admissions office, particularly on Friday afternoon, and we called it Story Hour with the Noonans. <laughs> they'd regale us with very funny stories from way back farther than even me. Sure. Um, and they were very instrumental, and we learn as we travel, as you do, Bobby, you continue to hear about individuals from a variety of ages, mm-hmm. whether it's two years ago of alums or 52 years ago mm-hmm. of people that walked this campus who were very influential in people's personal and professional lives. Mm-hmm. So there were tons of stories, and I will admit a number of them I, went, I can't repeat, <laughs> um, that I learned about alumni. And surprisingly, some of those are CEOs and running <laughs> companies. And you all the, know who you are. Yes, you do. <laughs> I know about you. I think one of the things that if you ask students today, they will say what they love the most are the people on campus, whether it's staff, whether it's coaches, whether it's faculty. You kind of address that as well in your fond memories of how dedicated the faculty were back then and as well as today. They were truly interested in finding out what your passions were, where your skill sets were, because sometimes they could see in you what you couldn't see in yourself. Talk a little bit about, as now you can reflect, how important having a liberal arts education, especially from Loris, has been and how it's helped you maneuver through many different careers, both here at Loris as well as off campus. Well, obviously, I'm a huge proponent of liberal arts education. Number one for students who do are graduating from high school and are not sure what they want to do, they will many will not admit it because we are creating pressures. Our own admissions office, we as parents, we mm-hmm. as teachers, what are you interested in? So they come up with a with a business or psychology and we've put them into that Mm -hmm. but a liberal arts education allows them to come and explore is that what they want to do and it builds a foundation for whatever they pursue as far as myself um, I mean I only did social work which was my major for two years Mm -hmm. but you build skills transferable skills as we call it in the career services world and in hiring people that can be taken in a variety of settings. Mm -hmm. And so the liberal arts education really allows and creates the foundation um, and strengthens that as people move about their career Mm -hmm. um, in their life. And now more than ever, people are changing careers. Absolutely. So you really do have to have the mindset, oh, what can I learn? How can I stretch myself? What skill do I already have that can take me there? And what new one can I learn mm-hmm. for the next step? When you were wrapping up your tenure here at Loris, you were in the Center for Experiential Learning. And your focus was on internships. And today, we know how important 
having that type of experiences for the employer, but also for the employee. It rounds out their experience. What was so valuable and what was so memorable to you in working in that particular area with students hands-on? In a way, you came full circle from when you arrived at Loris to when you left, even though you touched students and alumni and faculty and staff on so many different levels. Um, it was really kind of like completing that circle. Well, the fun part was students that I talked to when they were juniors in high school who made the decision to come to Loras. I followed their path during their time at Loras, a number of which I still kept in contact with. Then I entered the world of alumni, so now I see them on the road very fun to get to know them at a different stage in their life, reacquaint myself with them, I should say. And then I had the opportunity to go to them and say, would you consider taking an intern because of your time at Loris mm -hmm. and was very fortunate to have alumni so involved or at least even having conversations with students to have students be calmed down. You don't know what you need to do the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So that was very uh, gratifying to see that and for the individual as a student as well as alums who felt like gosh I still can do something for Loris I had such an incredible experience and how can I pay it forward mm -hmm. and saying yes to requests that come from the campus from previous professors from previous connections that was nice for them to also be able to do that and for mm -hmm. me to see them say yes mm-hmm when you think about Loris, what does Loris mean to you personally? Oh, that's a tough one because that would have a lot of answers. Mean personally? Well, I'd say it was, it was transformational. I mean, I grew up at a farm, of which was a wonderful life. Um, but coming to the college, meeting these incredible professors, meeting an incredible group of very, very tight friends who all these many years later still are very connected. Um, so the con growing kept, the learning kept growing. Mm -hmm. So it was transformational at the time when you're 18, um, but that keeps growing because all of the people that you still interact with and meet because of Loris, mm -hmm. the opportunities that I've had because of Loris still continues to be transformational. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you, uh, just kind of looking back at all the time, so you've left Laura, or you, you reluctantly came to Loris in the, you know, I had to say in the rosary <laughs> to get you here, left, pursued your career, came back, left again, came back. What is it that keeps bringing you back to Loris? And I'm, I'm assuming after hearing your story that in about two years, you'll be back here again doing something we else. We could be so lucky. <laughs> Yeah, don't hold your breath on that one. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of years have passed since I've done that. Um, I certainly will be returning for opportunities like this to visit with wonderful staff members that Laura still has um, and being connected. So what is it like a, a lot of people that you talk to, and I know Bobby talks to as well, it's really hard to put a word or words to what it is it's so intangible because it's probably best phrase as an, an emotion mm -hmm. an emotion that's hard to find words for mm -hmm. 
you know it involves it involves the faith base that goes on here it involves the caring it involves the creativity the concern the connections the openness the challenging you know how are you going to make this a better world in your home in your work setting in your community in your state now more than ever we need ethical decision makers you know dispositions is the you know kind of academic word but it's all drilled down in what we do here and what we do after we leave here mm-hmm. i don't know robert if that's that makes sense to you it makes perfect sense and i, I don't know if there's anybody who really can define mm-hmm. what what mm-hmm. that loris connection really is mm-hmm. it's kind of like trying to describe what a dohawk is to somebody <laughs> it's pretty special yeah it's pretty special you ask anyone who's not a dohawk who's married to a dohawk and then they come back whether it's to an event or mm-hmm. homecoming they will be the first ones to say, oh, my goodness, it doesn't feel like this at my alma mater. You know, we don't we come from a Big Ten school or a Division One, two school and come to Loris College. And you've got more people on campus than I've seen in the last 10 homecomings. And that's exciting because they see and they feel it, as you mentioned, Faye. They feel that special connection here. The other thing you'll hear a lot of is... How is it that such a small school has dohawks everywhere? Everywhere. And it's a running joke with people and with me that, well, Faye will find somebody she knows. And it might be downtown Dubuque of somebody visiting from far away, and there's a connection to when I was in Ireland on at a tourist spot, and I meet some people. The word Iowa comes up. We're talking to them. They're, they were best friends with my former student worker, who <laughs> I very much kept in contact with. Yes. Yep. All you have to do is put on a hat or a sweatshirt or a T-shirt. So this is me advocating wear your Duhok purple out there, folks, because people will come up to you and start a conversation up. And there was an alum who actually I worked with setting up a scenario in a restaurant in Chicago that I sent a sweatshirt and a hat that he gave to his friend and just said, oh, go ahead and wear this. And then people came up. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> See? It works, folks. Let's mm-hmm. let's try it out. Mm-hmm. Test that theory and let us know. Mm-hmm. I met you when I was a student. And like you mentioned, got to know you even better as an alumna and then had the distinct pleasure of being able to work alongside you here at Loris. So for me, and so many others like me, you have impacted our lives in such positive ways because you've challenged us to be more, do more, and look at ourselves in a way that maybe we would never have done because you challenge us to really use our and trust in the abilities that we have. So. On behalf of all alumni, but especially from me, thank you. Thank you for the years that you dedicated to Loris, that you looked out for all of our best interests and the impact that you've left here on campus. Uh, You've set a standard that many people continue to strive to achieve. So thank you. You're welcome. Well, and I'll still keep challenging you. (laughs) Yes, you will. (laughs) That's a good thing. Well, Faye, thank you so much for taking the time, sure. joining us and chatting, talking about your Loris experience and trying to define what, what it's all about, mm-hmm. right? 
And Bobby, fun. Bobby, thank you so much. My pleasure. For, this is a treat for me. And then I'm going to quick say thank you to the person that we never mentioned, and we should. It's Trent Hanselman, who actually puts all the does all the hard work, all the, makes he us does. sound makes us sound good. Puts and the music, does all the editing, yeah. makes us sound really smart. Yeah. <laughs> so, thank you, Trent. Yeah. Yes, thank yes, you, Trent. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and, and thank you to everyone who listened into our discussion. For more podcasts as well as other Dolores news and features, be sure to visit the Loris Daily at daily.loris.edu. And while you're there, click the button at the top to sign up for email updates and get the uh, daily dose of Dolores in your email every day. We hope you'll join us for the next Dewhawk Digest. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other, and go Dewhawks. Go Dewhawks.